Now we're turning again tonight to Daniel, and we're in Daniel chapter 9, and I'm going to reread the portion that I read last week. That's from Daniel 9, verse 20, right through to verse 27. And if you have your Bible, follow with me. This is probably the last time that we publicly read this portion at this stage, so it would be good to not only hear the word of God, but to see it in the words in front of us. It will come up on the screen for all who are online tonight. Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I'd seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me, and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter, and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate. Even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. 
Now, my text tonight is taken from Daniel chapter 9, verses 24, right through to verse 27. And my theme this evening is entitled, Another Look at Daniel's 70 Weeks. Now, this is a follow-on message from last week. Last week, we tried to understand the meaning of the 70 weeks. And I don't know about you, but I went home a little depressed because we only really got to the first point of the message. So this is a follow-on message. Let's remember the context. Daniel the prophet has been praying about the city of Jerusalem that lay in ruins. Remember, he's in captivity in Shushan, the palace. The Babylonian empire has just fallen. It's now gone. Its last king, Belshazzar, has been slain. Daniel 5, verses 30 and 31. Darius the Medes took the kingdom. And Daniel has just been made the prime minister of this new kingdom. So he's an older man now. He's near 90 years of age. And, and uh, not only that there, but he's got a very important position. And yet, despite that, uh, Daniel uh, discovers from the reading of the book of Jeremiah that God would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. And then Daniel tells us that he started to pray. And what was he praying about? He was praying about the restoration of the holy city. And what follows, of course, from verse 4 right through to verse 19 of Daniel 9 is really the heart of Daniel's prayer. And it's an amazing, wonderful prayer. And I would encourage you to give yourself a study to that prayer. We've already done it. and You could re-listen to those messages again. And then in Daniel 9, verses 20 to 23, you have God's answer. And Daniel's praying, and here God sends uh, the angel Gabriel, and he has a message for Daniel. And what is the message? Look with me at verse 23. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth. And I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter, and consider the vision. What vision? The vision that he's about to tell him of. The vision of the 70 weeks. So we're having another look tonight at Daniel's 70 weeks. First of all, think about the subject of the 70 weeks. You see, I believe that Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to verse 27, is one of the most detailed, one of the most significant, and yet one of the most important messianic prophecies in the Old Testament scriptures. Notice here the period of the 70 weeks. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. Now let's pause for a moment. What do the 70 weeks mean? How are we to understand them? Are we to understand 70 weeks starting on the first day of Sunday and finishing on the last day at midnight on a Saturday night? Are we to understand the weeks like that? The answer is no. The 70 weeks are 70 weeks of years. Well, well, how do we get that? Well, I would have to adopt the mindset of a Hebrew scholar and bring up some Hebrew and, and prove that to you from the Hebrew Bible. 
And since I'm not a Hebrew scholar, I know very little except what I was taught, um, I'm just going to let the Bible speak. I'm going to let the Bible interpret itself. You see, this has to do, if you think of 70 weeks, think of a day, and you've got to think of a, a Jewish year, a day representing a year. Now, now that's a biblical principle. Uh, turn over there to the book of Numbers, and in Numbers 14, and in the verse 34, that this is what God says. After the number of the days in which he searched the land, even 40 days, remember the 12 spies, each day for a year shall you bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. They spent 40 days searching the land of Canaan and bringing back a report. And because they refused to enter into the land of promise at that time, God has said to them, well, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a day for a year, and you'll be buried in the wilderness, and ye shall bear your iniquity. And of course, a, a similar thing was told in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 6. Ezekiel was to lie 40 days. That was to represent the sins of Judah, which corresponded to 40 years. And in Ezekiel chapter 4, 390 days was to lie with his face toward the kingdom of Israel, the ten kingdoms. And they were going to be punished for 390 years. You see, a day representing a year. Now there's seven days in the week. Each day is representing a year. And there you get the 70 years. And of course the 70 years were connected to the fact that the Jewish people had failed to honor the Sabbath. And there was meant to be a special uh, sabbatical year to be proclaimed for the children of Israel. But they failed to do this. They, they ignored and disobeyed the Lord. And the Lord said, that this is serious. I'm serious about obedience. Obedience to me is better than sacrifice. And because the Jewish leaders ignored these uh, sabbatical years, then 70 weeks actually corresponds to 490 years. So the 70 weeks are not ordinary weeks as we know them. That's not intended. Not 490 days, but 70 weeks of years, each day representing of the week a year. Do you get a total then of 490 years? And Gabriel here has come to speak to Daniel, to, to console Daniel. Daniel has discovered 70 years of captivity and they've now come to an end. And, and it's really happening. And the captivity's over. And Daniel's understanding what, what about the future of Jerusalem? What's, what's going to happen to that city? What's going to happen to, to the temple now? And he's, he's telling them. 70, if you look again very carefully at it, at what he says there, 70 weeks are determined. Do, do you see that there? 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. And as I've said, each week representing seven years, a period of 77 sort of regarded as a whole unit. 
And, and that's the period. Think of the principle here of the 70 weeks. Notice the words, are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. The word determined means decreed. Here's the Lord's judicial decision. Here's the Lord's determination. The word determined can also mean divided. It is God who has decreed and determined and divided up this period of time for the accomplishment of his plan and purpose upon thy people and upon the holy city. And Daniel's being informed of that. Daniel's been praying for his people. He's been praying for Jerusalem. And God is telling him that he's a set time for Jerusalem and for the holy city. That's the principle. Notice the place. If you look again, it says thy people and upon the holy city. See, this is primarily a reference to Israel and the holy city of Jerusalem. It is to Israel after the flesh that this is directed. It's to historical Jerusalem. Of course, it does apply to all the true people of God, those that make up the Israel of God. We're going to ask the question, well, why have these things been so decreed? Well, here's the picture. So you've got to think of the period. You've got to think of the principle here. You've got to think of the place. You've got to think of the picture now. Notice six things. Look at verse 24. To finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity. So, so three of them's negative. And then, and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So six things are described, as I've said, three negative and three positive. These 70 weeks of seven years are divided up for the purpose of accomplishing these six things. Now listen to me carefully. For historical, literal Jerusalem. And it's a picture of what? Two things here God is saying. He's saying this, I will deal with sin for literal historical Jerusalem. In other words, I'll bring about the complete and utter eradication of sin. I don't think you could say that that's not there in its ultimate fulfillment. And also, I will bring in everlasting righteousness. And that's God's plan for literal, historical Jerusalem. And God's purpose will be fulfilled. And as we read this morning in Habakkuk, the whole earth one day will be full of his glory. And that glory will be the eradication of sin. Sin will be dealt with and put away fully and finally. And there'll be everlasting righteousness in the land. And that's the subject of the 70 weeks. Fill your mind with the period. Not days, not weeks as we know it, but 70 weeks of seven years. 490 years. And here's the principle. God has divided it up. God has decreed. God has determined to bring it to pass. And the place has to do with literal historical Jerusalem. And here's the picture. The total eradication of sin and the bringing in of everlasting righteousness. Now that's the subject. I want you to think 
of the significance of the 70 weeks. I think this is where we get bogged down last week. I believe tonight, and you don't have to agree with me, but I believe in the literal fulfillment of the 70 weeks as prophesied in Daniel 9 and 24 through to 27. I believe tonight that God has a purpose and plan for literal historical Jerusalem. Four hundred and ninety years, Daniel, covers the whole of the vision. And remember, we said they're broken into three segments: seven years, or seven weeks. If you look at verse twenty-five. Know therefore that understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. Okay? The seven weeks correspond to uh, seven weeks of years. That's 49 years. And that's the time it took to rebuild Jerusalem. Now I want you to think of Nehemiah. He is very sad in the presence of King Ahasuerus. King Ahasuerus is asking the question, why are you sad? Why is your countenance fallen? And what does he say? Well, he says a good thing. Oh, King, live forever. And then he starts telling him what's wrong. And he says, look, send me to uh, Judah. Send me to Jerusalem to rebuild the city of my fathers. And that took place according to the scriptures. If you turn tonight to Nehemiah, at chapter 2, and look with me at uh, verse 1, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. I would encourage you to underline these verses in your Bible or make a wee note of them. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. It came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now, had not been before time sad in his presence. Let's come right down to verse 5. And I said to the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. Now, now do you see that? The year was 445 B.C. Cyrus the king the Persian king, of course, had issued a decree earlier, but according to 2 Chronicles 36, 22, and 23, it was to build him a house. Ezra the priest was sent to lay the foundations and rebuild the house of God. And that's what Ezra did. And you can read about that in Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. But the rebuilding of Jerusalem didn't happen until Nehemiah the governor was sent in the 20th year of King Artaxes to rebuild the city and its walls. And it took them 49 years to rebuild the whole of the city. And if you look at the text, it says the streets shall be built again and the wall, even in troubling times. Know therefore from the going forth of the commandment who gave the commandment, King Artaxes did, in the twentieth year of his reign, to rebuild Jerusalem, and unto Messiah the Prince, so that's Messiah the Prince is standing in the streets of Jerusalem, there'll be seven weeks, that's forty-nine years, and they'll be followed by another sixty-two weeks, 
And during that time, the streets shall be built again, the wall even in troubles and times. And this brings us from the rebuilding of Jerusalem right down to the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus into the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey. 483 years later, using the Jewish lunar calendar, 30 days in a month, 483 years. March 445 BC brings us to April AD 32, and there you have the triumphant entry of Messiah the Prince. Remember, according to Luke 19, verse 28, he went up to Jerusalem. Remember, he's riding on a donkey. Think of his descent from the Mount of Olives. What does he say? He beheld the city. The Bible says he wept. He was crying over the state of the city. And then he said in Luke 19 verse 42, If thou had known even in this thy day the things which belong unto this thy peace. Remember they failed to recognize him. They didn't see him as Messiah the Prince. They didn't see him as the Son of God, as Heaven King. They didn't receive him. And then he talked about the days of the enemy coming into the city. See, here's Daniel. Now I want you to listen to this. Daniel has been told by Gabriel 500 years almost in advance. It's prophesied how he would come. Zechariah 9 and 9, riding on a donkey, riding on the foal of an ass, when he would come. 62 weeks of years after the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And that day Messiah the Prince would come. And if you actually count it up, it's 173,880 days, right up to Palm Sunday in AD 32. See, God knows everything. God has everything meticulously and materially planned. I want you to notice this, then Messiah was cut off. Look at verse 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. That is not for nothing. He wasn't cut off for his own self. That's a reference to his death. How do we know it's a reference to his death? Well, look up Isaiah 53. Isn't that a reference to the Lord Jesus? And what does it say in Isaiah 53? It says this in verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and you shall declare his generation, for he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. That's a reference to his sacrificial death. And it was all literally fulfilled. And I'm not spiritualizing it. And I refuse to let any other man spiritualize this passage of scripture. It's nothing to do with an unidentified, unexact period of time. Because these weeks were literally fulfilled. Now we're going to ask the question, and I think this is where we sort of were leaving off last week. The setting of the 70th week. See, people ask, well, what about the last week? Look at verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. There's the 70th week. Now, do you see that? And I would have to say verse 27 is probably one of the most difficult and controversial verses in dealing with this prophecy. The vast majority of Reformed Bible scholars, including John Calvin, Hodge, E.J. Young, Benjamin Warfield, Matthew Henry, Matthew Poole. Well, they all believe that this 70th week was actually fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ himself in Jerusalem at that, this time. 
They all believe and teach that the Lord Jesus was cut off in the 70th week. In the middle of the 70th week. They, they take the word after in verse 26. They show a continuation from the 69th week right into the 70th week. And they maintain that verse 27, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, is a reference to Christ establishing the covenant of grace with God on the basis of his blood sacrifice, establishing an everlasting covenant on behalf of his people, or, or ratifying the covenant. So by his death, Therefore, he caused then the Jewish sacrifice to cease, the animal sacrifice and the, the meal sacrifices. And by his death and subsequent resurrection and ascension to glory, he brought about the consummation of destruction determined upon the city of Jerusalem. That's the end of it. Now, that's what many believe. And in Reformed, Bible scholars whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie, and I don't know Hebrew, and I do not know Greek, but I have to tell you, that's not what I believe. Now, they're entitled to believe that, and entitled to preach that and teach that. And they can say that the 70 weeks are all literally fulfilled in Christ, and they're nothing to do with the future. I believe, of course, that the Lord Jesus Christ is indeed the Messiah. He's the anointed prince. I believe in his literal birth, death, resurrection, ascension to glory, and I believe in his literal return to this earth. But I have to tell you tonight, and I want you to listen to me very carefully, especially the next 12 minutes or so, I don't believe that 27 is a reference to Christ. If you... Look at verse 27, and it says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. You see, the argument is that he is referring to Christ. And the argument is that the word prince in verse 26 is not the proper antecedent of the pronoun he in verse 27. In other words, the argument is it's not good grammar. And you who are teachers might be able to pick up on that more than others. And for that reason, they say, well, there's no gap between the 69th week and the 70th week. There's no pause. He's a reference to Christ. Christ has came in the middle of the week, and he has ratified this covenant, the covenant of grace. And after three and a half years of ministry by his death, he caused the temple worship to cease. It's no longer needed, and he established a new covenant. And um, remember, the Bible says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down in the right hand of God. And I understand their view, and I respect the view, but I have to say with the greatest solemnity that, 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 that I totally disagree. And let me explain why. Notice the words here in verse 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. So when's he killed? He's killed after the end of the 69th week. Just a few days after his literal triumphant entry into Jerusalem, he's put to death on a cross. Not for nothing, not for himself, 
but for the sins of the people. There was a purpose and a point to his death. The Bible says, He that is God hath made him that is Christ to be sin for us, and you know sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And you realize his death was substitutionary, vicarious. It was a once and for all sacrifice for sin. And I have to say tonight, if sin is going to be eradicated, if sin is going to be dealt with and taken away, and there's going to be a bringing in of everlasting righteousness, it has to be on the basis of the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Because it's only in the basis of the blood that, that sin can be dealt with and put away. And what is true for literal historical Jerusalem is true for every city and every town and every village and every hamlet. But I want to ask this, after Messiah's death, what happened? Well, you know what happened. The Jewish sacrifices continued approximately for another 37 years. Then the city and the temple was destroyed. And if you look at verse 26, that's what it says. After the word himself, you'll see the full colon. And then you come to the, the and, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Notice the words. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. In other words, the people belong to him. They're under his authority. They're taking his orders. This, this is a reference to Titus. And it's in connection with Roman authority. And in AD 70, Titus and the Roman army came into Jerusalem and raised it to the ground and plowed up the ground and um, sowed it with salt. As if, as the Bible says, a flood came and took it away. If you'd have stood there and said, where's Jerusalem? It wasn't visible to you. In other words, there's no more Jerusalem. There's no more holy city. There's no more holy temple. It's gone. The priesthood's gone. The sacrifice is gone. And look at the text. And unto the end of the war. What war? Well, well, remember there's a spiritual, literal war going on between God and the devil, between good and evil, between the, the children of the darkness and the children of the light. And, and on to the end of the war, in relation to Jerusalem, notice the words, desolations are determined. So he's speaking about the future. And then it says in verse 27, and he shall confirm or or. or he shall ratify the covenant. And the word the is not in the original Hebrew. It's he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That's the last 70th week of Daniel. And it's all about the city of Jerusalem. So you're going to ask tonight, who's the he, the first he in verse 27? I believe it's the Antichrist, the prince that shall come. And, and notice also in verse 27, it says, And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. It's one and the same person. And for what reason? Look at the text. And for the overspreading of abominations... He shall make it desolate. So here's three reference to he. And who's it a reference to? It can't be Christ. It has to be the prince that shall come. He's going to ratify a covenant with many. 
And this week, I believe, is the last week of Daniel's prophecy concerning Jerusalem. And it means the city has to be rebuilt again. It means the city has to be reborn. It has to be repopulated, reestablished. And in the middle of the week, what's he going to do? He's going to cause the sacrifice to cease and the oblation. What does that mean? Not only has there to be a rebuilt city with a repopulation of people, but, but there has to be another temple, a future temple, for the sacrifice to cease. So the sacrificial worship has to be reestablished in the animal and in the uh, meal offerings. For, for sacrifice and oblation to cease, they must be in place. And it takes place in the middle of this 70 week. And I want you to notice this prince that shall come. He's a covenant keeper, a covenant maker. He makes a covenant with many for one week. And then it says, in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. In other words, he's a covenant breaker. And surely it's a serious thing about one who breaks a covenant. And you'd have to ask yourself, would the Lord Jesus break a covenant? Say, I believe the covenant that he makes has to do with the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem and the reestablishing of Jewish animal sacrifices. Maybe we could ask another question tonight. Has there ever been an eradication of sin in Jerusalem? Has sin been put away for good forever? Not just judicially, as we believe it has through the redemptive work of Christ, but experimentally on the basis of his redemptive work. Is Jerusalem tonight, historical, literal Jerusalem, in a state of eternal righteousness? The answer is no. You see, the stopping of the sacrifices and the offering at the temple can't be seen as a blessing, can't be seen as a good thing, because it causes something else to happen. What? And, 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 and here's the purpose of stopping the sacrifices. For the overspreading of abomination. He shall make it desolate. I believe it's the same prince. And he'll do so until the consummation. Until there's a complete and utter destruction fulfilled. In his own life. In his own plans and purposes. There's a result for the abomination in the temple. God's wrath and judgment is poured out. Now you've got to ask yourself, is that literal? Is that confirmed in scripture? We're going to ask a series of questions and I want you to listen carefully. Will there be a future antichrist emerge in this world? The answer is yes. Revelation 13. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 4 to 6. Matthew 24 verse 15. Will there be a revised Roman Empire? Yes, according to the word of God. Will there be a period of great tribulation in the world, a time of Jacob's trouble such as never been before? The answer is yes. Will there be a regathering of scattered Israel to its land? Will there be a rebuilding of Jerusalem? Will there be a homeland for the Jewish people? Is there a need for Jerusalem to be the capital of the state of the nation of Israel? Is there a need for a Jewish... You see all these questions that I'm asking? 
you're well aware in the times in which we live, the Jews have already been regathering in their land from 1947. And Jerusalem has been declared its capital from 1967. And there is a movement at this time, in our day, a growing temple movement who are pushing the authorities for the rebuilding of the temple. So I'm asking the question, whenever Messiah was cut off, not for nothing, did God stop the prophetic clock in relation to Jerusalem? Because God has a purpose for that city. And that prophetic clock will be restarted. That's where the gap, that's where the pause comes in. And Antichrist will confirm with the leadership of Jewry at that time for the rebuilding of the temple. And for three and a half years there'll be peace. And in the middle of that seven year period, he then will do something drastic. He will set up an idol of himself in the temple and declare himself to be God. And that will usher in the great period known as the time of Jacob's trouble. Because then there'll be killing of Jews and there'll be killing of Christians worldwide. Let me just show you two references, and I, I deliberately haven't turned to a whole pile of references tonight for the sake of time, but just turn over there to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 11. And remember the apostle Paul, he was converted out of Judaism to Christ, and the apostle Paul wrote 14 books out of the New Testament, and the apostle Paul had a great love for his fellow countrymen. We know that from the scriptures. If you listen to this reference, Romans 10 and verse 1, for example, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Come to um, Romans 11, verse 11. It says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. Now, come right down to verse 25. For I would not have you, for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceit. But blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and he shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. I have to say tonight, I'm not a dispensationalist. I have to say tonight, I don't believe that God is two peoples, Israel and the church. God is one people, made up of Jews and Gentiles. But God has a plan for his ancient people. God has a plan for that holy city. And here's Daniel being told about it in this marvelous prophecy. Now, if you believe that the 70th week was fulfilled by Christ, then you're entitled to believe that. But I do not see that the reference to he 
is none other than the prince that shall come. And Titus was but a foreshadowing of that prince. And let me say this. Antichrist is coming. And when Antichrist comes, Antichrist will bring in a time of great trouble for the church of Jesus Christ in this earth until Jesus Christ comes back. And if we think we're suffering now, then there's a greater suffering to come. There's much more that I could say. I'm going to leave it there. But I would encourage you to read Matthew 24, verses 15 to the end tonight. Read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting verse 4, right down to the end. Read Revelation 13 and link it up with what you read here in Daniel's prophecy. You see, let me say this in finishing. We must compare Scripture with Scripture. And I can't foist in Scripture my belief and my interpretation. We believe in letting the Bible speak. We believe that the pieces of the Bible all fit together like a massive jigsaw. And if you have a jigsaw and you're about to finish the picture and you've got this piece and it doesn't quite fit, well, you can't hammer it in. And you can't sort of have one piece that's not looking right because somebody will say, well, that piece just doesn't fit. See, the scriptures all compare with scripture. And if there's a reference here and a reference there and a reference in another place, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Paul, John, and Patmos, then we've got to bring them all together to form a picture about the end times. I commend to you this other look at Daniel's 70 week, and I pray that you'll understand what I've been trying to say. The Lord give you grace.